It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Pioneer Day to you all out there who are celebrating. We're talking BYU offensive line. Yeah, make a preview talking about the hog mollies up front for BYU's offense. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Appreciate all of you who are everydayers with us here on the podcast. Just a reminder and a, I guess, way of introduction. We are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. And a big thank you once again for your support. All right, before I get the comments, let me address this right now. Some of you watching this on YouTube are seeing my lovely face clean shaven for the first time in quite literally months. Yes, I I am clean shaven. It was not planned. Let me be very clear about that. I uh, went to go trim it up uh, before I went to my LDS church meetings yesterday, or Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints meetings, I should say, and uh, made a mistake in getting distracted while I was trimming that up. And yeah, well, let's just put it this way. The damage was done and had to take it all off. So uh, we are going to start growing it again. So uh, nonetheless, a big thank you for all your support. And I uh, just wanted to make sure that was uh, cleared up before we moved along here. But let's dive right in. We've been doing this for the past week, uh, looking at all of BYU's position groups going into training camp. Today, we're going to talk BYU offensive line, and it's going to take up the majority of today's podcast. So if you want to talk offensive line or if you think it's boring, uh, bear with me. It's what we're going with. And by the way, happy uh, Pioneer Day to you all out there who are celebrating, obviously. Uh, fun day here along the Wasatch Front in the state of Utah, obviously uh, honoring the Pioneer legacy that uh, brought essentially people to this state. Now, there were indigenous folks. I get all that, but still, you guys know what I'm talking about. All right, uh, so let's talk BYU offensive line. Now, uh, the question I've got for this group right at the outset of our conversation here is that BYU's offensive line has maybe the best problem to have if you're a BYU coach, player, administrator, whatever it is. You have a bevy of talent. We're talking guys upon guys upon guys that you could throw out there in any number of combinations and probably be fairly effective. It is a great problem to have, frankly, for the BYU football program to have this glut of talent along the offensive front. Kalani Satake has talked extensively about wanting to build up Power 5 level type depth. Well, the one position group I will say that I think has it going into the Big 12 Conference in spades is the offensive line position. BYU did a lot of good work on the recruiting trail, both via the transfer portal, the high school ranks, and even in some cases the junior college ranks, to bring in talented players into this unit, and it has yielded maybe the deepest offensive line unit in quite some time. I would venture to say it's deeper than anything I can remember in recent memory, and there's been some pretty good offensive lines, if you will recall, uh, of late for BYU, but this might be the deepest and just most talented top-to-bottom overall. The crazy thing about this is a guy like Lee Salatai is currently not on BYU's roster, and he was a guy that Aaron Roderick was praising as recently as last December, saying that he has NFL-caliber talent. Now, let me be very clear about Solid tie. 
There is no definitive, uh, uh, I guess, diagnosis or update on what his status is going to be. It's kind of looming out there. Could he return in time for the season? Only time will tell, but I uh, wish him nothing but the best as he hopes to get things squared away and obviously can uh, get back and uh, contribute to BYU's offensive front. So, Let's dive in and talk about the guys that I think are probably going to be part of the rotation, if not outright starters for BYU. And I think it really starts with Kingsley Suamatia. Now, he's getting first-round draft hype from a bunch of NFL draft analysts out there, and for good reason. Uh, Kingsley has got all the ability to be an impact left tackle, if not the best left tackle in recent memory for BYU. And there have been two of them in a row that have gone to the NFL draft. So Kingsley at six foot six, 315 pounds, uh, returns to the left side where he is most comfortable. He says, I can play anywhere along the offensive line. He told us that. We had a one-on-one conversation on this podcast with him. He says, I'm comfortable playing anywhere, but the left side is kind of where I made my home at the prep ranks, and uh, I think he's returning to a position that's familiar to him, and he will benefit from that. Now, opposite him, I think the BYU brought in their potential starting right tackle kind of late in the process, but that is Caleb Etienne. Now, Etienne, if you think Kingsley Suomati at six foot six, three fifteen is a big dude, Caleb Etienne makes him look almost uh, dwarfs him, I guess in a way. Six eight, three hundred and thirty pounds. Excuse me, not three. Yeah, three thirty. Yeah, three hundred thirty pounds for Caleb Etienne. Just an absolute gigantic human being. I have had multiple people inside the program said, "Jake, wait until you see this dude in, in person." And I finally had my first chance to see him in person uh, not too long ago, and I was just absolutely floored. He is just. A gigantic human being. It's absolutely incredible. I think BYU with uh, Caleb Etienne holding down the right side, as well as Kingsley Sumati on the left side, you've got two bookend tackles who've got NFL caliber type talent. Now, Etienne needs to refine himself, but he has experience at the Power 5 level, which is something that BYU can rely on. This is a guy who started all 13 games a year ago at left tackle for Oklahoma State. Now, Mike Gundy might be a little bit salty in questioning why he left his program, but his loss is BYU's benefit. I think Caleb Etienne will slot into that right tackle spot and should thrive there. Honestly, I have seen no problem why he wouldn't. Now, the best part about this is there are a number of other guys that could play tackle that will be part of this mix. Simi Mawala coming in. Uh, I guess he'll technically be a transfer from the University of Utah, but he played at Jack. We signed at Jackson State last year, did not play ultimately for Coach Prime there at Jackson State, but before that was an all-conference performer for the University of Utah. He's 6'7", 310 pounds. Anything you get out of him is great. He's a senior this year, so he's going to be wanting to make sure that he gets as much playing time as possible, and I think he is likely to start at either side wherever he fits best, potentially at left tackle. Now, at right tackle, you've got a number of other bodies who could slot in. The thing about this is I'm going to list so many names in today's thing, your head's going to be spinning. I'm I'm, going to apologize for that right up front, but the good news is all these dudes have the ability to play and play at a high level. I think Braden Keim immediately jumps to mind when it comes to potential backup at right tackle. Keim, 6'8", 6'9", somewhere in that realm, 310 pounds in his own right. This is a guy who showed up at BYU as a preferred walk-on out of Alta High School three or four years ago as like a 240-pound converted tight end. He was all a 6'8". He was still the same height. He was just as skinny as a rail, but they packed on that weight onto him, and now it's 310 pounds. He's got all the ability to come in and make a run 
at extensive playing time this year for BYU. So uh, those four names I just listed, I think, are probably what I would project to be your one-two at right and left tackle in any combination behind them. Uh, I think you could see guys like Jake Griffin, who has got great size in his own right. I think Griffin's listed at 6'6", 285. Probably seems to pack on some meat onto that frame after serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But Griffin, coming out of Red Mountain High School, was very highly thought of and thought to be maybe one of the potential starting uh, next star tackles for BYU when he signed with the Cougars out of Red Mountain down there in the in the Valley, as they call it, down in Arizona. But you also have guys like Caden Chittister, who was 6'8", 290 pounds. He was slated to play defensive line for BYU, but essentially grown into playing offensive line. At, at that height, at 6'8", 290, he figures to be a guy that can make a nice development, hopefully a tackle, and can use this year to really hone his craft. The best part about this is beyond that, we're going to talk about the interior of BYU's offensive line. And as crazy as it seems to think about the depth on the outside for BYU, I'm not going to lie. I look at the interior of BYU's offensive line, and I'm just absolutely floored at the depth and breadth of the bodies that could be thrown out there in any combination on the interior. And we'll talk about that here in just a moment. But the one other thing I want to talk about with the tackles real quick is with regards to the tackle conversation for BYU, this is going to give, I think, an opportunity for a guy like Daryl Funk as the offensive line coach to go out there and play with some funky alignments if, if, if he so desires. That may not be something that he's just not interested in, but Daryl Funk has seen a lot of high-level players in his 30-plus years as an offensive line coach at seemingly everywhere around the country coaching offensive line. This is a guy who's not averse to fitting the best uh, personnel groupings to make sure that he has the best opportunity as a coach to yield success for his unit, obviously thereby BYU's offense, but I think that Daryl Funk will not be averse to changing up things if it means that he can get the right combination of guys on the field. Could that be that Kaylee BTM maybe isn't necessarily slated uh, to play as, as well as right tackle and maybe needs to be the backup at left tackle, yeah, he'll make that move if at all possible, uh, but I'll guarantee you the Kaylee BTN is going to come in understanding you know what, I'm making the move to right tackle and I've got to make it my own, but he'll be pushed every single game, down rep, in practice, all that and the same thing goes for Kingsley Suomatia this is not a dude that is going to be okay, Kingsley, you're our left tackle, just get out there that's just not how it's going to operate at BYU Kingsley is a first round talent uh, down the road here for BYU as soon as next offseason, but he's going to have to prove that every day and make sure he goes out there and plays to the best of his ability, because if NFL scouts see a slip at all, they will not hesitate to knock you down their list, and that absolutely can impact your potential future in terms of your earnings uh, status as an offensive lineman if you're Kingsley Suomata'ia. So he's got he's got a target on his back. There's no doubt about it when it comes to NFL scouts, and they'll be uh, picking apart his game, trying to find any type of weakness they can, but uh, you can guarantee that he's going to get pushed every day by the guys behind him in practice, because they want nothing more than playing time. These guys are competitors, folks. These are Division One football players. They want to get on the field. They want to live their dreams as football players. you got to prove it. And the coaches at BYU have, have really been very clear that the best players will play, and they don't care who it is. If you rise to the occasion and you prove you are the best, they will find a spot for you on the football field. All right, we're going to talk about the interior of BYU's offensive line, which I think could see even a bigger jumbled mess than what we just talked about with BYU's tackle situation, and we'll get to that here in just a moment. Now, first, a word on our friends over at eBay. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit, my friends. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. Now, I can talk about this because I've had cars in the past have tried to shoehorn different parts that weren't necessarily meant for that car to fit. Sometimes it works, but at the same time, when you have the right fit, it is just absolutely incredible how easy it can be. So next time you need parts or accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part you fit, every part you need fits right the first time around. Just get your 
ride up on my garage and look for the green check mark to know that it'll fit or your money back. There's that guarantee, my friends. They will make sure it's taken care of just because, and just like sports, Confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors and with 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be right back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right press is on ebaymotors.com right now, my friends. That's eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible to items only, exclusions apply. Once again, go to ebaymotors.com and get started today. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the podcast. Big thank you for all of your support. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we talked offense. We're talking offensive line today. We're going to flip over and talk about BYU in terms of their defensive secondary on tomorrow's podcast. I, I think there's a there's a big conversation about the depth of at cornerback in particular, whereas the safeties I think are very well stocked. We'll talk about all that uh, coming up on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. All right, time now to talk a little bit more about BYU. BYU's offensive line. Now, on the interior of BYU's offensive line, Connor Pay, uh, along with Kingsley Suomatia, seems like a lock to be a starter for BYU. Whether the, and by the way, the conversation about Connor Pay could be dependent on where he fits best in this combination of the offensive line. He has been the starting center for BYU for the better part of three seasons now, and he could absolutely reprise his role there. But at the same time, a guy like Paul Miley is not coming into BYU as a grad transfer from the University of Utah with the thought that he's going to move out of his center spot that he held down so nicely for the Utes over the past couple of years. So I, I think honestly, with the size that you have in a guy like Connor Pay, he is listed at six foot five, three hundred and twelve pounds. He would slot very nicely at tackle, considering at six two, three hundred pounds, you have Paul Miley, who is a smaller guy, and I'm not one hundred percent certain that Paul's even three hundred pounds. So it may just be that hey, if they want to put Paul Miley on the field and they believe that Paul is the best option for them to be part of the starting offensive line. You move him to center and you move Connor Pay to guard. And by the way, the other thing about this for Connor is if he moves to guard, he will have plenty of tape both at center and guard to show NFL scouts. And that that's a that's a positive for him when it comes to his future as a professional. The other thing about this is you've got a number of other high-level players who'll be vying for playing time. I think Waylon Lapuaho has got a very, very good shot to start for BYU this year at the other guard spot. Six foot four, three hundred and ten pounds, got thousands of valuable reps last year as a starting offensive guard for Utah State. Now, I understand that the Power 5 level and the Mountain West level for Utah State are two different things, but that repetitions that he got, they're completely, uh, you can't just ignore those. This is a guy, speaking of Waylon Lapuaho, who has developed very, very nicely. I think that he will be a guy that BYU can rely on on the interior of the line, even if he's not necessarily starting right away. You also have guys like Jake Eichhorn, who was this breakout player for Weber State just last year and is a former Beaver Beaver, Beaver High School down there in Central Utah. 
He has become uh, a great athlete in his own right. 6'5", 295 pounds. You don't see guys of that size typically at the two-way level, which he was playing at at the Utah High School ranks. But he has developed nicely and should see uh, potential playing time for the Cougars on the interior. I think Ian Fitzgerald has kind of gotten forgotten as one of the grad transfers coming into BYU. Fitzgerald is probably going to be in a very, very tight battle to see any playing time as a senior coming to BYU. He's got decent size, 6'5", 305, a former starting tackle at the FCS level. I think he slots inside for BYU along the interior of that offensive line, but in a pinch could absolutely slide back out to right tackle if if needed. But I'm going down all these names. Your, your head's probably spinning, but the nice part is I'm not even done listing names. You can go also to guys like a Sam Daw. Sam Daw was a former FCS player who walked on at BYU, found himself in the two deep just as recently as last year. You also have guys coming home off of missions like Weston Jones, who was a highly, highly rated player out of Romeo High School in Michigan, of all places, served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and has now returned home, and they still list him at 6'5", 280. So he kept actually some pretty nice weight on him in the mission field. How quickly can he kick off the mission rust, and can he be a guy that could really challenge for playing time? There, There is a great, great uh, just wealth of depth and knowledge and just overall ability for BYU along this interior of the line, and I, I think you're going to see in fall camp, we'll probably do updates seemingly daily about which combination of five linemen are out there, and we'll have to kind of see how things shake out. I think in the tail end of uh, training camp, we'll start to see kind of the roles, uh, I guess, uh, normalize. We'll start to get a feel for, okay, this guy's been playing mainly at this spot. This guy's been playing here. And we'll have a better idea of what the rotation is going to be with the ones, the twos, and the threes. Because I haven't even mentioned guys like Sonny Moccasini. Uh, you also have uh, guys like Peter Falanico on this list. Tyler Little. Man, Ben Ward. You just go down this list. There are so many offensive linemen who have got ability. I think that Peter Falanico, as soon as next year, after uh, a guy like Paul Miley exits the program, and potentially a guy like Connor Pay being a redshirt junior, having uh, played five years of football with the COVID year, he could ultimately decide, I'm going to chase my NFL future as well. Peter Falanico could be BYU starting center as soon as 2024. He's developed quite nicely at that spot. So the, the thing about this is it's just, just take this for what it's worth when it comes to my take on this, is that BYU is going to have a fantastic, fantastic problem to solve. Now, could it yield potential problems when you're trying to put together these combinations, get the right reps for guys to get in concert working together, and BYU's wide zone running scheme concepts along the offensive line? Yes, it may take a minute for some of these guys to adapt to one another, but the thing about this is you've got the first two weeks of, of training camp to really kind of juggle and find out which which combinations seem to work best together and then as the training cramp gets into the back half of it the final two weeks or so leading up to game week ahead of Sam Houston State then you really start to say okay this is who we kind of think works best together and you start to develop that camaraderie that that uh, the the relationship between these guys they have some understanding of what each other is going to operate like and that's that is what's going to yield, I think, the best results for BYU. I think this offensive line could have two potential Power Five caliber starting lineups on the roster. That that's how deep it is in my mind. Now, I, I'm I'll maybe also be very clear. I'm a fairly amateur uh, in terms of talent evaluator, but I love offensive line play. It's the position I played in high school. I was not good enough to play anywhere else, and I, I feel like I've got a, a better feel for the offensive line than some of the other positions in football. And I think BYU's offensive 
offensive line is absolutely going to be a strength of this program. They need to lean on it. Kalani has talked, speaking of Kalani Satake, he has talked in the past about wanting to have his offensive and defensive lines. He wants them to be those sledgehammers, to be the point of the spear that Jeff Grimes uses that terminology all the time, to really be something that BYU can lean on. I think the offensive line this year for BYU absolutely should be something this offense can lean on. You're going to have a guy like Keaton Slovis who's going to be adapting to a new offensive line and playing in front of him. you got new running backs in Aiden Robbins and Deion Smith trying to adapt to life with BYU. You're going to be able to rely, I think, on this offensive line to really help be a a leader in a way, and I know it's a unit, but it's not necessarily an individual, but they can be leaders in their own right and help lead this offense to success. Make it easy on your skill players. Make it easy on the quarterback. Make his reads easy. Make it so that he feels comfortable back there. Open the holes for the running back. Make sure that they understand, hey, this is where the hole's going to be. Hit it and let's get that yardage. The offensive line can absolutely lead BYU this year and could be the best overall unit top to bottom in BYU's football program this season. I'm dead serious about that take. I'd actually put money on the offensive line being that leader, that that that, that number one unit for BYU this year. I'd be happy to be wrong because if somebody outperforms them because I really think that they'd be uh, doing something special. But the good news is I think this offensive line is out to prove something. I'm looking forward to seeing some of the position battles in training camp because I think they're going to be absolutely fierce. These guys are competitors, but at the same time, they're good friends. and They will do nothing short of making sure that they can establish themselves in the pantheon and obviously it's going to come at the expense of some of their teammates but it's kind of a dog eat dog world out there and this is what power five football requires you got to have the best players on the field at all times if at all possible and the nice part is you have a you have a welcome problem when it comes to BYU's offensive line just with the overall talent on paper let me also acknowledge that on paper right now going into training camp for the BYU football program all right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll round out this Pioneer Edition Day, uh, Pioneer Edition of the podcast, Pioneer Day Edition of the podcast, is what I should say, uh, by taking a look back at two more games in the 2020 season or as our uh, look back at all 155 games in BYU football history rolls on. We'll get to all of that here in just a moment. Now, first, a word on our friends over at Perry Homes. Whether you're looking for your first home, you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, Perry Homes has a house for you. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. they got the communities, home designs, and price points, all of which are designed to help meet your needs, my friends. They want nothing more than to make sure that you guys are uh, getting your needs met as a homeowner. It's a very, very important part of your life to make sure the home fits what you're looking for. So go check it out. Perry Homes has beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah County, as well as multiple communities in Washington County near St. George as well. They offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories of townhomes as well. And they're offering generous financing incentives right now through their preferred lender to help get you started on that front. So visit PerryHomesUtah.com. That's P-E-R-R-Y, PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com once again for 50 years. Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. The NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, everybody. Before we go on today's podcast, let's take another look back at two more games in BYU's 2020 season. Now, uh, we all know that BYU was absolutely rocking and rolling after they went out and beat Houston, and it felt like the, the sky was the limit for them after that win because Houston was considered to be maybe the best opponent top to bottom on BYU's schedule. Now, uh, we'll talk about a game that many of you might recall, but the Coastal Carolina debacle in a, in a couple of days here. But uh, after they beat Houston on the road, they came back home for two home games against Texas State and Western Kentucky. And the reason why I lumped these two together is because earlier on in this countdown, we talked about the, the first two home games for BYU of this season, and it felt like just they were absolute routes. BYU just did exactly what they wanted to do. Texas State came into this game against BYU 1-5. and five. They, they were hapless, and BYU, 12th-ranked team in the country, absolutely laid the wood on Texas State. 52-14 to 14 was the final. Zach Wilson, a pedestrian, 19 of 25, and I say pedestrian because it sounds pedestrian, 19 of 25, 287 yards and four touchdowns. Tyler Algier, 12 carries, 76 yards and one TD. BYU just absolutely ran roughshod over Texas State, pushed themselves to 6-0 on the season. And just kind of continued more of the same. The crazy thing about this is, is Baylor Romney came in and played a significant period in this game. BYU ran for 227 yards as a team. And BYU's defense just absolutely locked down Texas State. A grand total of 267 overall yards for Texas State in this one. They just absolutely made life miserable for the Bobcats. And BYU got the win. The following week, Western Kentucky was considered, at least I thought, to be a, a better team. Now, the record was right in the same vicinity as Texas State. The Western Kentucky at 2-4 and four coming into this game. BYU ranked number 11 uh, in this game as they took uh, on the Hilltoppers. And then BYU, once again, just absolutely walloped Western Kentucky. Ended up 41-10 to was the final. Zach Wilson uh, actually threw a pick in this game. Funny enough, it was kind of the one blemish uh, on these two games. He was 18-32, of 32, not necessarily his most efficient passing game. 224 yards, three touchdowns. But BYU, he also added a rushing touchdown, ran for 166 yards, but they didn't need to do much. They racked up 35 first half points. It was 35 to three at, at halftime. And you're like, all right, well, this was this was a snoozer. But that's the thing about a lot of these games in the 2020 season. BYU could not help who they played this year. Now, let me reiterate about this: the 2020 season. A lot of people uh, think that BYU should have made the power or uh, not the power six, the the uh, New Year's Six bowl games. Now, had you beaten Coastal Carolina, I think that there is a decent shot you would have gotten that. But you needed to win all the games put in front of you because when you had the likes of Texas State and Western Kentucky on there, the fact that they had paltry records, it's easy. It, it, and it's just it's, it's an unfortunate fact of the matter that BYU faced at that time. It was easy to just say, okay, BYU is a paper tiger. They're going out and beating these teams who are hapless. They, they just can't they can't help themselves but beat these teams. That is something that just looking forward now, that conversation doesn't exist anymore. BYU's power five, folks. That's going to completely change the calculus. But at this time, it absolutely hurt BYU's chances. Now, they beat Western Kentucky, got to 7-0. And we'll talk about a game uh, for BYU coming up on tomorrow's podcast that, well, it... it <laughs> I think it really established BYU as a bona fide contender that year because BYU made their one uh, made another road trip up to the blue to take on Boise State. Now this was one of the few games the Mountain West after they came out their late schedule uh, actually allowed uh, a team to play outside of the conference ranks uh, in terms of the conference schedule they'd put together. But BYU and Boise State and. Uh, what a game it was up there on the blue, and we'll talk about that one on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. So there you go. You guys are up to speed on everything I've got for you guys here on this Monday. Uh, get excited. A week from today, folks, 
BYU players report for training camp. A week from tomorrow, they practice in their first practice. We'll be out there as soon as they have media availability. I will be there. I'll have coverage for you guys. So keep it locked right here on Locked on Cougars. Yes, pardon the pun. I'm going to embrace it all the same. But thanks again for making it your first listen. And thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the podcast. Hope you guys are all having a fantastic holiday. Uh, If you are watching this, hope you guys are getting out to have a barbecue. If you are working, hopefully you don't have to necessarily spend as much time at work today. But nonetheless, have a great holiday. And we will reconvene tomorrow right here on Locked on Cougars. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.